out of our sin. Amen? Amen. I want you to find somebody you have not talked to this morning and let them know that love, Jesus' love has lifted you. Continue worshiping our Savior this morning by singing Cornerstone.
He was despised and rejected by men, a man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. to reclaim Hallelujah 
dear Heavenly Father, your goodness is just so overwhelming. God so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son so that we could have eternal life. And how do we know the love of God? Because he laid down his life for us. Your goodness, your greatness, amazing. Thank you for what you've done for us. May Jesus be magnified here in this place this morning. As your word is open and preached and proclaimed in just a moment, may our hearts be surrendered and submissive to you. May we respond in obedience to what you call us to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that chorus one more time with just our voices. Just our voices lifted out to him. And all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been our hearts cry to sing of his goodness all of our lives. Jesus, we thank you. Tell you what, it sure was good to hear that trumpet. Welcome back, Bert. Man, we have missed you, and uh, glad that it was kind of featured in that song. Uh, I've got to be pretty brief here because we kick off our men's ministry today, and we're heading on a bus over to the Minute Maid Park here at uh, 11:45. And so they told me on staff that I needed to be done by about 11:15. So I'll try to get there as quick as I can, so you get out to lunch early. But uh, we'll say, guys, we, we thought it was a great idea, you know, set it up, just come to church, go right onto the bus, get back before about 7 o'clock tonight, watch the Astros beat Oakland. Uh, Oakland still needs about two seasons just to catch up. They're like 40 games back. And so just a fun time, uh, but we still have spots available on the bus, tickets, and so we'd love for you to come. You don't have to do anything special. Just walk out there and get on the bus. We'd love for you to go with us. And... Um, also wanted to note that we signed up for the prison ministry this week. That's coming up October the 1st. We'll be going out into the prisons. Uh, who all signed up? I'd love to know who all signed up. We were trying to get 10 guys to go out into the prisons. Just Would you stand up if you signed up? Got Jeff and I. Anybody else? We're going to throw you guys in prison. This is, a, this is a great opportunity. Sadly, you can't go now. I mean, you had to have it in by, we had to, have to be registered by Friday. 
and maybe, maybe bad communication on our part, such a good ministry to go into the prisons and visit with inmates, see life from a different perspective, minister to them, share with them, share the gospel with them, pray with them. Uh, it, is, it is a very transforming experience. And Vivian, of course, works in our prison ministry. Uh, she just told me right before the service that we still are a little bit short-funded on some of her prison ministry. So if you'd like to make a donation to that, just note that. Uh, heart for inmates, or however you want to put it, prison ministry, make sure she gets that. Just curious, uh, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in our church out there, but did, did anybody just happen to end up on the cover of a magazine recently? Kayla Parker. It goes from being the, the guardian of our dog to ending up on the magazine cover of Lamar Ma uh, University. So congratulations to you. And uh, this was... This is based on his experience this uh, previous semester when he was over in Paris, and a cool connection for us as a church family is that that's how he would watch church. Uh, he, he did go to church over there as well, but he would join us on, online, so while we were having service here, he was worshiping with us hours in a different time zone over in Paris. But uh, congratulations to you. Well, uh, last week we talked about trials. We're in the book of James, Family Resemblance. We're reminded that James wrote this book probably about 15 years after he experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ when Christ came and literally spoke to him and his life was forever changed. He grew up with Jesus. He probably slept on the bottom or top bunk in their house and he didn't have any resemblance to Jesus. But after he met Jesus as the resurrected Lord, his life was completely transformed and he began to resemble who Jesus Christ was. And he's written this book to Christians reminding us that we are to resemble Christ as well. We should look like Christians. That's what the name Christian means, little Christ. We, we look like Christ. And as he was writing this book, it became, it became important for letters to go out, the, the, again, to know the time frame. Everybody was kind of gathered together there in Jerusalem in this church, the early church, and then the persecution broke out. Remember, Saul was a part of that. And then they began to scatter. And so Christians no longer could come to the same corporate experience and hear teaching, and so they had to begin to write. And James wrote this very powerful letter, much like it's called the, the Proverbs of the New Testament, giving guidance to Christians as how they are to live. Short statements, that's why it sounds like the Proverbs, short, quick statements, not long and in-depth like Paul. Last week, we talked some more about trials. Consider it pure joy whenever you encounter various kinds of trials because you know that God is testing your faith. There is a purpose to it that he is going to make you more and more like Christ. Well, this last week was a little bit challenging for us, so I wanted to know if anybody else had some joy-portunities. That's a made-up word. Joy-portunities. That is an opportunity to consider it all joy because life is not going the way that you had planned. Anybody have a joy-portunity this week? Jeff and I again. Okay, that's it. We're, we're kind of in this thing together, right? Joy-portunities. We've all had those where you just feel like, man, and it's exciting to know that as we read this passage of Scripture, that when adversity comes into our life as Christians, God can use that. It's a valuable resource to shape us into the very image of Christ. Yeah, we definitely had one this week. Uh, most of you know that my mom has Alzheimer's. I've spoken of that a number of times. We're, we're almost in the 10th year of this, and we had to move her to a facility back in the summer. She just no longer could stay at home with caregivers. And that has caused all kinds of problems. And so Monday, we had to hustle up to Dallas because if you ever seen the Allstate commercial where they, you know, Havoc, 
that's my mom in the facility now. And uh, she has figured out a way to dismantle toilets. <laughs> and uh, she has dismantled her toilet. She went into another uh, client in there, dismantled their toilet, has flooded the facility. Uh, we are supposed to get an invoice for that. And they told us that we are going to ask you to relocate. And uh, so we had to go up there. And fortunately, they gave us a reprieve. We'll be able to stay a little bit longer. But it was a joy opportunity for Michelle and I because we were experiencing this trial and we were reminded of this passage. And the reason we consider it joy is because we know that God has purpose for it. He can use it and he can redeem it just as we see in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. So here's James, half-brother of Jesus, did not resemble Christ growing up. They had a common mother, uh, half-brothers, except that Jesus Christ was fully God. And he became a transformed brother who was calling us as Christians, both then and now, to live transformed lives. He is teaching in this book, Transformed Theology. Paul would write about that in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, that we're not to be conformed. We're not, we're not to resemble the world, but we're to resemble our Savior, Jesus Christ. And today we come to the passage of Scripture that deals with temptation. And we said there's a very unique difference between trials and temptations. We're going to see that God doesn't tempt us, but God does put trials into our life, and He can use either one to shape us more into the likeness of Christ. Temptation is not, is, is not rooted in God, it's rooted in evil. Turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 13 uh, and following. I'm going to read the entire passage that we'll look at today. We're going to go through verse 18, and then we'll come back and we'll kind of break it apart. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God, we pray that you would guide us through the the looking and the studying of your word today. Teach us, give us minds that are receptive to what your spirit would say to us. Help us to leave here more committed in our relationship with you. We pray for our friends that are gathering with us both here and online, that they would, if not yet believers, that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior and forever be transformed, just like the author of this book, James, the half-brother of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen. First thing that we're going to note about temptation is temptation is rooted in evil. It's not rooted in God. Now, it was, a, it was a pagan strategy to always blame God whenever something bad came into your life. Blame God for tempting you in ways that you didn't think you should be tempted. And, you know, wouldn't it be tough to be God? God never gets credit for anything, but he gets blamed for everything. Isn't that kind of the way it goes? And so James is saying, you're going to be tempted to blame God. But he says... Let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God. Just to pawn it off, it's, it's God's fault that I'm in this. Flip Wilson, many, many years ago, had it right. The devil made me do it. Well, partially. We're going to see there's more to it than that. It says that when we are tempted, let him realize that you're being tempted from within. You're being lured and enticed. So just right off the bat, let's just see what James says. 
Don't blame it on God. Blame it on evil. And we're going to see more of how that plays out in the second point. Temptation is not sin, but it can lead to sin, which never ends well. And for a lot of Christians, they deal with false guilt because they are tempted to do something and they feel as if they are sinning just by experiencing the temptation. But the temptation is not sin. Look at this passage of Scripture, James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. When you are tempted, you are not sinning. But temptation can lead to sin, and that's why James is writing about it, because it is so serious. Because it can lead to bad things. Temptation never leads to good when we follow through with it. But here's this. Temptation can lead to good. When we fight against the temptation and we allow God to give us the strength to endure it, it strengthens and bolsters our faith. In addition, it makes us to feel, feel the closeness with God for the victory that we have experienced. But temptation is not sin, but it can lead to sin, and sin never ends well. We think about the redneck whose famous last words, watch this, doesn't end well. Never ends well with sin. Notice the words that are used there. When he is lured and enticed. This is actually a fishing term. And what James is saying, and everybody understands fishing, and fishing has been going on for thousands and thousands of years, and it never seems to change. He's using the word of being enticed and lured, that of a lure, in which you throw out the bait, fish is in the pond, wherever it is, lake, fishing around, enjoying life, everything is going well until he believes that his life will be improved by taking the bait. And then what happens? His life is radically changed. He goes from one reality to another. He thinks if he takes the bait, everything is going to end well, and he ends up in a frying pan. That's what James is talking about. It works the exact same way as that of fishing. You're going to get lured in, and it feels so inviting, and it seems so right, and it's going to bite you, and it's not going to end well. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. We are a contributor to that. We go back to the Garden of Eden. What happened there? Eve was looking at the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As she looked at that, she was enticed. She was lured. It was bait that Satan had placed there as he began to talk into her mind to say, really? Is that what God said? The desire started in her heart for something, and that's where temptation starts. We want something. That something may not be a bad thing, but it can lead to very bad outcomes. Leads to sin. I was reading recently about a priest that was trying to train a a young Catholic in confession. And after several weeks of it not working very well, he pulled the guy aside, the young priest, and he said, you're going to have to come up with something besides wow, when everybody is confessing their sin. All of sin is wow. It is bad. And that's why James is encouraging us to not let it go to that end. He gives a a terminology to it. 
the desire. When you see something, you desire it. If you continue down that, it conceives and it gives birth to sin. And what happens with sin? Then it is fully grown. It brings forth death. Never ends well. Here's a statement. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you wish to stay, and cost you more than you planned to pay. Always the situation with sin. So temptation is not a sin, but it can lead to sin, which never ends well. And then I want us to see that temptation is always a counterfeit for God's provision. Look at verses 16 and 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And what the statement there is, James is saying, Don't pawn it off on God, because God is forever good. And every temptation is a counterfeit to what God wants to provide. You think about your greatest temptation right now. Does God not have a plan for the fulfillment of that desire? Yes. Every temptation that you have, but Satan comes and he skews that, and he changes that, and he twists that so that we move outside the provisions of God. You think about greed Greed is something that we fall into. It's, one of the, it's, a, it's a powerful sin. Always wanting more, never being satisfied, as Solomon would talk about. And when you have this greedy heart, it is saying, I can't trust God for his provisions. Men, we're starting this men's ministry. Pornography is epidemic. It's unbelievable. And God has provided a resource for each of us through marriage. But it's the idea that God is not providing, so I'm going to go in a different direction and find that provision elsewhere. And you can run the list all the way through. When we see a temptation, it is a counterfeit. That's exactly what Satan did with Adam and Eve. It was a counterfeit to say, you need this more than you need God. Go back to Genesis chapter 3 and be sure and, and read over that. James is saying... It's not God. It's inside of you not believing that God will provide for you. Then finally, let's look at temptation's antidote is trust. James chapter 1, verses 16 uh, through 18. Every good gift is from God. So, trust him. What is the antidote to temptations? When you're facing them down trust God. Now that seems, sounds overly simplistic, but remember, we're talking about the half-brother of Jesus. And he goes back to Matthew 4 in his mind, even though Matthew hasn't been written yet, because James is, is one of, if not the first book of the New Testament written. But he goes back to that experience, and he remembers what Jesus did when he didn't believe in him. You remember after Jesus was baptized, he went into the desert for 40 days, in which he fasted. And while he was out there, what does it tell us? The devil came and he tempted him. This is a composite shot of how temptation works. And when Jesus was out in the desert after fasting for 40 days, the evil one came and began to tempt him. But James says you can be victorious just like my half-brother, my Lord, was. You can be victorious over your sin by trusting in Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are. Yet he never sinned. 
there's a strategy, and I, I hope that, uh, I, I wish that more people had been here last Sunday night. It was such a good time with Cheryl Christopher, and uh, she was just sharing with us about dealing with grief, and the book, her book, A Portrait of Grief, in there, she talks about just facing down temptations that will come your way even in the midst of grief. And she used a terminology that's been used for many years uh, dealing with addictions, rehab facilities, and it comes right out of Scripture. The acrostic is HALT, H-A-L-T. And when you're dealing with temptation, it's, it's very important to be mindful of your condition. See, we live in a culture that wants to run everything to the red line, and that is a dangerous place to live, and that is a satanic oppression on our culture. Keep you as busy as possible. And when you get busy, you make bad decisions. And HALT stands for hunger, anger, lonely, tired. We are more susceptible to sin and falling prey to temptation when we are hungry, not just physically, but emotionally, relationally. We can feel that, something gnawing inside of us, and we're longing for something else. When we're angry, how many of us have ever made a wise decision when we're angry? We fall into temptation. We do things that we shouldn't do. Lonely, when we feel that sense of absolute loneliness. We're all alone. Something is, is needs to solve this problem. And tired, halt. And Jesus experienced that. He experienced the hunger of not eating for 40 days. He experienced the anger of what Satan did and why he had to come. It was a righteous anger to say, I am here to die because of the sinful nature of this world. Lonely. He was alone in the desert, the wilderness, a harsh wilderness for 40 days. And he was tired. If you've ever fasted for a long period of time, you know the exhaustion that comes from that, being isolated from other people, not sleeping well. Good reminder. And there are two other caution lights that I would, I would, I would say that we need to watch. Be just be mindful of this in your own life. But I think this happens so many times. Two different, on a continuum, really two different extremes. The first is, I don't care. We are very susceptible to fall prey to temptation when we don't care. When we're experiencing something in life, life's not playing out the way that we want, and we just say, I don't care. And so we say, it doesn't matter. I'll do whatever. And then the other end of the continuum is, I deserve this. I've been working hard, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I provide, I do this, she's not doing that, he's not doing this, I deserve this. I see that all the time in marriages that are breaking up. One spouse says, I deserve this, a better life. It's a dangerous place to be. You think of all the, the big religious leaders that we have seen fall through the years. How many times that happened after they had maybe a tremendous revival service or, or a great situation that happened? And they feel, I deserve this, and so I will go down this path. So friends, as we talk about temptation, it is so important for us to be mindful that we need to make sure we're not hungry, we're not angry, we're not lonely, we're not tired. Take care of yourself, relationship with the Lord. Make sure that you're not in a situation where you don't care or you are just above everything and you think, I deserve this, I don't care. I don't care how it impacts people around me. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that we can always pray, trust, and hope in Christ. That's why I ended the, the innkeeper's journal with those words. Always pray, hope, and trust in Him. 
You remember Jedediah in the book? If you haven't read it, Jedediah had a very difficult situation in his life, and he came to the conclusion that we can always trust God, we can always hope in him, so we must always pray to him. And so we go back and we read these words, always pray, trust, and hope in him, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says that God is faithful. You're not going to be tempted beyond anything that you can't manage. And we talked about the trials, yes, you might have to bear more than you can manage. You will never be tempted beyond what you can bear because because God has provided a way of escape. And if we will trust him, we can stare down our darkest temptation and be overcomers. I hope that you're trusting in Christ, that he is your Lord and Savior. Those with us in this room and online, to know that God loves you and he's created you to have a relationship with him. But because of the darkness of our heart, and we read about that, if you're reading through the Bible, uh, the, the early Bible reading calendar this week, Jeremiah 17, our heart is so dark. That's why we are tempted and we yield to sin. Because of our sinfulness, we are separated from God and only Christ can make us right with him. All we have to do is humbly repent of our sins and fully surrender our life to Christ. If you've never done that, I want to invite you to pray to receive Christ in just a moment and begin a relationship with him. And if you're already a believer in Christ, struggling with temptation, I want to invite you to use this time in this next song to just pray about having victory through Christ. In a moment, we'll have an opportunity to stand and sing. I'll be standing over the cross. We have a connection centered out in the atrium after the service. You can fill out a communication card. I think even for some of you right now, you know, it's you're going you're gonna to feel like what I'm asking you is going to be threatening, and it is in a way. I think for some of you, you have temptations in your life that you're not getting the victory over, and you just need to come to the platform, not so we can see you and say, oh man, I, I thought so. But you can come up here and say, this is a stronghold in my life, and I'm going to lay it down, and I want to say, I want victory in this. God, help me to trust you to overcome this stronghold in my life. Because I know for a lot of us, we have those day-to-day temptations, but for some of us, we have strongholds in our life that just aren't getting broken, and we keep on falling prey. We are like the fish that gets caught over and over and over and over again. Let's lay it down. Let's trust God completely. Our deacons of the month will be at the back of the, each one of these aisles. They'll be back there to pray for you if it feels more comfortable to go back there. Don't underutilize the power of someone else praying over you and with you. You don't have to tell them what the temptation is. Just say, God, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me that I can overcome the stronghold in my life? Some of you need to be baptized. You've trusted in Christ, but you've never crossed the line to say, I'm all in, and I need to be baptized. Some of you may want to become a a member of this church. You're a follower of Christ. You've been baptized, or you want to get baptized, and yet this is the time in which you can say, I want to become a, a, a faithful member of this church. So God is moving in our midst right now. Let's respond to him and let's pray together. God, we thank you that your word is is so direct to us. It reminds us that when we are tempted, tempted, yes, to blame it all on you and say when hardships come our way or when we yield to to sin, that's just the way that I am. God, you have provided a way of escape. And you are not the tempter. You can't be tempted just as Jesus demonstrated. You are powerful over that and you don't tempt anybody. In fact, you tell us in the model prayer, you will deliver us out of temptation. You are our only hope. Lord, I pray for those that might be with us in this room or online who have never committed their life to Christ. 
that they might pray a prayer surrendering their life to you, beginning a relationship in which they will faithfully follow after you the rest of their lives. Might they pray a prayer similar to this? Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. God, you didn't die on the cross so that we could overcome temptation every once in a while. You died to give us victory each and every time. And it won't be easy. It will be hard. Just as it was for you standing in the desert, hungry, alone, and tired. Through you, Lord, we can know the victory. And that's why, that's why we have it in your word. Lord, would you move in our midst in these next couple of moments as we sing this song, and might we surrender even the stronghold of pride that would keep us from reaching out for help from someone else. Move in our midst now, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's respond as God leads us. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Good. Mm-hmm. 